covering the news during the coronavirus pandemic. You also need to take care of yourself, not only mentally, but also physically as a journalist, because you're going to be doing yourself a disservice not taking care of yourself because you're making yourself more prone to this virus at the same time. That's Lisette Nunez, a television reporter in Connecticut. One of the journalists we'll be checking in with during this Q's Conversations podcast about how much has changed for them and for all of us in the last week or so. Hi, and thanks for listening. I'm Chris Velarde, Director of Digital Engagement and Communications in Syracuse University's Office of Alumni Engagement. How are you holding up? It's a question all of us should be asking one another right now. Staying well, physically and mentally, is one of the topics we will cover in this conversation with Lisette Nunez, a 2015 Syracuse grad working in television in Hartford, Lauren Hall, a 2010 grad who's a TV reporter in Buffalo, and Maggie Gordon, the 2008 grad, is the assistant features editor at the Houston Chronicle. We'll start our conversation, though, with Scott McFarlane, a 1998 Syracuse grad who's an investigative reporter at the NBC affiliate in Washington, D.C. Scott, thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time with us and talking about what is, and it's an overused word, but what is definitely an unprecedented time in this country and, and frankly, in this world. Yeah, it, it's, it hits you in so many different levels. I mean, as a professional, there are some real superficial ways in way it's impacting us, and we can talk about those because it's you know it does impact your life as a journalist. But the way you know when you have your wife home with the kids and they can't leave the house, it's hard to get past that issue and move on with your day. It, no doubt, and your wife your wife is dealing with this at a different level. She's a school teacher, and that's something obviously impacting school teachers and students of of every age around the country right now. Yeah, she's a, she's a high school teacher and. Starting this week, she now teaches a fourth grader and a first grader in the same classroom. <laughs> and that is itself a challenge. And plus, I, we discovered that in the first week of this, you know, the, your own kids don't necessarily respect you as much as they respect the school teacher. So you got to <laughs> teach them that. Then you have to teach two children of different ages how to interact you know, in a school-type way and how to learn. And, and, and it's disruptive for them. It's disruptive for us. It's disruptive on so many levels. We haven't even figured them all out yet. Yeah, and and I don't think we will. I think it's going to take some time before we do figure them out. In terms of being a journalist and and be working in the nation's capital, um, what what have you seen? What have you experienced? What's what's your newsroom doing right now? So the newsroom's almost empty. They moved a lot of us out. Anybody who can be out of the newsroom is out of the newsroom. So all of us reporters, all of the videographers, all the people who would go into the field in the course of a day, we're in the field. Yeah indefinitely they don't want yeah. us in the building to, mit- to mitigate risk of the people who are there plus they don't want you know, people coming and going and having difficult to keep a good head count um, so we're, we're all either working going directly to the scene of a story working remotely from our homes in some cases or just finding a way to, to do our jobs remotely and that's that's not foreign to us it's just foreign to do it you know seven days a week foreign <laughs> to never go into that hub into that newsroom but what's more is we are all coronavirus reporters now the sports right. team, they were coronavirus reporters. We're the investigative team. We had a good dozen hot investigative stories in the works. They're on the shelf indefinitely. We're all virus reporters. And it's not just because our news managers believe that the audience only craves coronavirus reports. Our audience does only crave coronavirus reports. Their lives are in jeopardy. Their livelihoods are in jeopardy. It's the only thing relevant right now. Well, and to your point, because it affects so many different aspects of our life, it affects our living situation, it affects our work situation, it affects where we can go when we're not working, it affects our retirement funds, it, protect, it, it affects our parents and grandparents. There's, there's so many different layers to this story that, that finding an angle, I'm guessing, 
you know, in, in a purely kind of journalistic sense is, is not really the problem here. You can knock at anybody's door and find a story of how this impacts them. This is actually, in that sense, a simple thing to cover. But this yeah. is why it's important to have diverse newsrooms. And Syracuse has always been you know, promoting that concept at the university that we want not just diversity on the campus, but we certainly want diversity in our communications program as well. Because when you walk into a media organization, you represent your backstory your diverse view of life, your diverse experiences. The newsroom, which in many cases includes a whole lot of young people, in my newsroom has some dads like me, some moms who know that when we talk about this story, we have to talk about the impact on kids and on education. And I can tell you as a media consumer, I don't see enough reporting so far on what this is doing to the education system because you have three or four different variables that are significant. You have education disrupted. And indefinitely. That is a cataclysmic thing for a generation. You have schools now, as restaurants close, schools are the biggest provider of food in a right. community because they still have to produce meals. They still are disseminating food, not just to the needy, but eventually it could be to, to larger bits of the population. And you have you know, student, kids who are disrupted and kids who don't have emotional maturity may not be able to take that emotional disruption well. I can see it in my kids' eyes. Something's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I shouldn't be home. And that, on a macro scale, is not getting enough attention. But that's why you, you have to have diverse newsrooms, so people have different perspectives and can bring their life story into view when we have editorial discussions. No doubt. No doubt about it. One of the things that, as somebody who worked in television news after 9-11, um, that, that's the closest thing I can think about, but that was such a kind of a, a, a shocking day, and there was certainly fallout that came from that. But um, in terms of kind of the, the reaction to it, certainly working in the Northeast, I was working in Connecticut at the time, that's the first thing that comes to my mind with that. Um, you also were working in news after 9-11. How, how does this compare so far to you? There's some symmetry. I mean, I remember that day covering news. In my case, it was in Detroit, which was some distance away from the epicenter. But you, you remember we discussed in the meetings that day, nothing else matters indefinitely. 100%. And that's the only other time in my professional career where we said, you know, until further notice, we don't do anything else. Again, the sports people, you're 9-11 reporters. The um, health people, you're 9-11 reporters. Um, the only other you know, cataclysmic event that we can put up at, at this level was the 2008 financial crisis, which um, certainly was all-consuming, but it wasn't the only thing that mattered. Um, right. So 9-11 has a parallel in that sense, but the hell of 9-11 was more finite for, um, for many Americans, those who weren't directly impacted, those who didn't have loved ones who were lost or communities who were, un- were broken. Um, you know, eventually, they were able to, to, to move on with their lives. Is nobody in this country moving on with their lives? In terms of being a reporter and being a husband and being a dad and being a human being, how do you find the time and make the effort to, to find that balance so that you're not living in this? Because when you're a reporter, you can go 100% into something and, and have a very hard time unplugging. I think a lot of journalists, um, especially those journalists who are well-seasoned and who um, have a, have a strong competence about them, you know, good live performers, good breaking news reporters. Being on the story is somewhat inoculating. You get that normal adrenaline rush. You get that normal 
confidence rush that make, kind of steals you against what's actually happening in your community. Uh, I see this in the best reporters on television who can, who can be live without a script and go for five minutes. They love that intensity. They love that tightrope walk. It actually it drives them in a healthy way. So being on the story for, for reporters who've been in this for a while can actually give you a little shield. You're working. This is, this, it's not bothering you personally. It's the drive home you dread when yeah. all that adrenaline wears off and it starts sinking in. And you know, the drive home is important because, Chris, the drive home is the time between you, know, you doing your job and you smiling so your kids don't know you're scared. <laughs> right. You and being it's dad. It's an important period of time, man. Scott, thank you for, uh, for spending a little bit of time and good luck moving forward as, as we all continue how to figure out how to navigate life in, in what has become the new normal. Thanks, man. We're joined now by morning show reporter at WGRZ in Buffalo, Lauren Hall. Lauren, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So the last week has been um, pretty interesting, I would imagine. It's been interesting for everyone, but you work in a newsroom. And and what has it been like? Um, I work for a Tegna station, and the Tegna mantra nationwide with coronavirus has been back, not fear. Um, so we yep. have been trying to be as responsible as possible with our coverage, not to incite panic. Um, and just to be sharing real-world problems and real-world issues that our viewers are dealing with on a daily basis. And obviously, those have escalated a ton in recent days. Oh, and, and this story changes so much. I mean, it changes by the yeah. hour. And, and the yeah. impact is so wide-ranging. How, yeah. in, in your newsroom, are you discussing the different – there are millions, but the different types of angles to to provide that fact, not fear. Tell the stories um, of – of the people in your community that are that are important and how it's touching people in the community. And at the same time, following all of these rules about social distancing. I mean, part of being a reporter is getting out there and, and being with people and, and you know, yeah. telling their stories. Yeah, um, I think it's great. That's such great questions. Um, I think that we are handling it so well here from an internal standpoint, and then that's helping our coverage be as responsible as possible as well. So in our morning meetings now every day, we get a briefing from our bosses on how is everybody doing? How are you guys? What do you need from us? Um, we get updates on, you know, today's the first day that we've started to have people start to work from home. We have producers, editors, reporters, um, behind the scenes people, obviously our entire sales and support staff is not coming into the building anymore. Um, so we are starting to make some of those social distancing changes internally and more might be to come, but it's really just a day by day thing. Um, so that's how we start all of our morning meetings now, which, you know, Chris, from being a newsroom, that's not very normal for your bosses to say, <laughs> hi, hey, how, how are you guys? <laughs> it's, it's refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's hope it lasts. Let, let's yeah, hope that's exactly. something that continues. It's important. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. There's a lot of protocols about wiping down surfaces. So we all are required to wipe down our personal workspaces every day as soon as we come in and then throughout the day, um, like any shared microphones. Like this morning, I had to switch a microphone because one of my microphones wasn't working in the studio. And, you know, I wiped off, wiped it off before I put the new one on. Um, I use a touch board a lot that has an interactive, um, that's interactive. So there's a stylus that I pulled and put down all morning and I try to wipe it every single time I put it, pick it up and put it down. Just little things like that that you don't normally think about. Um, and then of course, I, I have been, since last Thursday, I, this is unusual for me. I'm usually out live reporting in the field, but I have, have been kind of taken back inside to provide more.
core elements to the show from um, from an in-studio standpoint, but for reporters and and, and photographers who are out in the field every day, um, they're also following those protocols of wiping down equipment, standing as far away from people they're interviewing as possible. Um, we're kind of dividing up the coverage and certain reporters are kind of almost developing beats with this thing. So like the same reporter will cover the same county press conference every day, the same reporter will cover the same city press conference every day, same reporter will cover schools every day, just to kind of limit the number of people they're exposing themselves to out in the field. I mean, this thing is really scary and it's definitely impacting all industries. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's just some of the ways that we're handling it. And and you're you've always been um, active on social media. Instagram stories is kind of one of your go-to's, and and you're still using that to uh, to to talk to your your various audiences. What's your approach to that, uh, and how has that maybe changed a little bit? I mean, I think that's one of the nice things about that is that you you can be kind of a little more unscripted and 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 do things yeah. that are of interest to different people. But how are you approaching that now? Well, I'm using social media as my main tool to find out information about what people want to know about and also yep. crowdsourcing information of what I can share with other people. Um, so at, in my role as a morning show reporter, I usually do the lighter, more positive stories um, or just more enterprise type of stories, more stories that people may not already know about when they wake up in the morning, but it's something interesting to give them to look at and see before they head out the door in the morning. So translating that to this crisis, um, I definitely really relied on social media followers to help me like know what they want to know about um, right. and know what's helping them in their daily lives. So, and I also think that we as morning show um, reporters, producers, anchors have such a special place in people's lives in, in this day and age Aside from coronavirus, I think that mornings is becoming more important than ever um, as the, the news cycle and just as there's so much content out there for people to consume throughout the day. If you can catch people in the morning on their phone before they even get out of bed, they're going <laughs> to trust you. You know what I mean? Like they're going to yeah. trust you and then they're going to come to you when things hit the fan, like they're hitting the fan right now. So um, I think by being out there and being on stories and being on Twitter every day, we our station has developed a trust with, with our audience. Um, and now that they're able to tell us what they need. Um, so one of the things that I've been trying to do in the morning this week and really kind of starting at the end of last week, last Friday, we started this, um, just taking one segment of the show every day to do positive news and just show some of the people that are out there helping other people, or even just like celebrities doing goofy things or, or giving back in some way. And just to try to make people, feel a little bit better I mean I know we can't solve this we can't I wish I could you know solve everything and we can't but at least we can give people something that can make them smile and feel a little bit better about everything um so now that I've been putting that out a lot of viewers are sharing those things with me like things that are making them smile and then I can share those and then the other thing that we're doing a lot in the morning are the resources for viewers um so now that people's lives have completely shifted from working out of the home and having their children go to school out of the home, now that they're working in their house and they're homeschooling their kids. So they need a lot of help just to get through the day with those things. I understand. Um, so them, yeah, oh, I know. Like I'm asking them, what's working for you? What's not working? And trying just to like create this community where we can help each other. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, it sounds cliche, but it, it is so true that that this is something that people need to get through together and share ideas yeah. and share resources and share smiles and joy because, uh, it, look, it's it's a tough time. It's unprecedented. We have not been through something like this. No, it, it, this is just, I mean, I'm thinking talking to you obviously has me thinking about being in college and studying journalism and studying scenarios. And I mean, I just never could have imagined something like this ever happening back then or today. Um, yeah. I was in school, I was graduating around the time of the financial crisis in 2009, 2010. And that was scary. And a lot of people are comparing this to that. Um, but I just think this is like impacted so much of, of our daily lives. And I, I just don't know. I mean, it's going to be a long haul. That's the other thing about this story as a journalist is, you know, we're used to breaking news days and sometimes they last three or four or five days if it's a big weather story or right. something like right. that. But this can go on for weeks and months. How, how are you leaning on <laughs> what you learned uh, at Newhouse and, and at Syracuse now in this time where, you know, you're kind of having to pull every tool out of your belt? Yeah, um, I think the things I think about the most when I think about what I learned at Syracuse are a lot of those ethics types of questions and those responsibility, the responsibility that journalists have to be as precise as possible, um, only sharing information that's accurate, that's informative, that can help your viewer. Um, there's a lot of misinformation going on in the world and that was happening much before coronavirus and that's happening much more now. Um, and something as drastic as this, where there are lives and jobs and livelihoods and futures of people's families, businesses, um, all of the above at stake here, and of course their health, you have to be as responsible as possible with what you're reporting. Um, and I'm really proud of the way that our company, Tegna, is, is going out there and reporting the story every day, and I'm really proud of the way that my station is too in our market. It's it's important, and you know that the viewers are relying on it more than ever, perhaps. Yeah, and those ethics questions, you learn those at Syracuse. You talk about them in your classes all throughout your time studying journalism there, and these are real-life scenarios where they're coming into play. So, like I said, it's it, those are the things that, as a journalist working in the field, I do think about Syracuse all the time, and I'm thankful for what I learned there and the education I got there, especially in that, in that department. Let's talk a little about newspapers in this world. I'm joined now by Maggie Gordon, who's the assistant features editor for the Houston Chronicle. Maggie, thank you for uh, taking a little bit of time to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this, obviously, as as I've been talking about with uh, with some of the journalists who work in television right now, has been an unprecedented week. That's a week. That's a word that we've we've certainly overused. But in terms of what you do, just give us a little background on what what normal Maggie Gordon does with her job. Yeah, you know the feature section of the Houston Chronicle. We like to think of it as um, the place that readers come to to find something that's interesting or find something to entertain them, something that they can enjoy for the day and. Uh, you know, we do a lot of food content. I personally, I help run our renew section, which is like a healthy living section. And, um, and that a lot of that has changed right now, right? Because how do you make sure that you're uh, entertaining people? And how do you make sure that you're informing people about typical lifestyle topics like food, how to stay healthy, 
uh, when you're in the middle of a pandemic and, and you want to um, give people news they can use, you also want to sometimes give them an escape, but you never want to be flip in the tone. Right. You never want to be too escapist. And it's, um, it's turning into something we are, you know, learning as we go a little bit. One of the things that that is seemingly important at a time like this is as a reporter, the ability to adapt, to be flexible, to to change course. I mean, that's one of the things we learn when you're a reporter is is you have to be able to do that. But even more so, I would think than than before. Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the news is moving so fast. Um, and like I said, our section is responsible for a lot of the entertainment fun stuff. So, you know, on, on Monday, for instance, we had a reporter who was working on a story about how some of the nightclubs, how some of the bars were getting ready for St. Patrick's Day, which was on Tuesday. And, you know, there was this one place that was really holding out and they make so much of their money on that day. And it looked like things were going to go forward. Things were going to go forward. And then the city called a press conference at five o'clock in the day in which they they announced that things would be shutting down. So, you know, you're, the news sometimes is changing even faster than you can report, even when you're reporting at full speed. And so that's that's a real challenge for even incredibly skilled reporters. One of the other things that I think is is really important to think about for for anybody right now, but particularly for reporters who you know, their job is to cover the reality of what's happening. But that idea of, of distancing yourself from your work and, and giving your, your, yourself a mental sanity break, how are you approaching that? How's your newsroom approaching that for your colleagues? Yeah, you know, I'm really lucky that I, I believe that I work in a newsroom that really values our mental health, our well-being. Um, you know, we've worked in, this obviously isn't our first all-consuming breaking news experience. You know, the Houston Chronicle have had to cover very severe hurricanes. And so there are some things that we almost have a playbook for. Um, one thing I make sure I do every day, um, because I'm an editor now, and this is my first breaking news experience as an editor after 10 uh -huh. years as a reporter. Um, I make sure that the reporters I work with, I always check in and say, how are you? Is there anything yeah. I can do for you? And I think that when I was a reporter, um, when I wasn't okay, when I needed a moment, I would be sort of hesitant to raise my hand because so often we want to be the best and the toughest at everything. But now from the opposite side, I'm seeing, I really want people if, if they need a moment to just say, hey, I need a moment. And, you know, the newsroom will find a way for that. How big is that, though? I mean, that, I understand. You know, I know as a journalist, that was something that that I I never wanted to raise my hand and say I need a moment. I mean, that's you're kind of you feel like that's part of your DNA to just put your head down and go no matter what the the, the story needs to be told, the job needs to be done. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that's shifting. You know, I I think we've had people who've come in and talked to us about. Um, mental health in coverage, you know, especially after really traumatic situations. And um, I've talked to students, you know, at Syracuse and at other communi um, communication schools who, you know, called me for papers to interview me. And I've started to see that, you know, these days in, in day school classes, people are talking about this. And I wonder if, you know, I'm 34, so I don't like to think of myself as old. I've only been out of Syracuse for a little over a decade. <laughs> But I'm wondering if maybe it'll be a great generational shift where we'll see a lot of these new reporters coming out of schools like Newhouse 
you know, kind of equipped with the ability to say, I need to put my own oxygen mask on first. Um, and I think that that would be just a really great change for the industry. It's so true and so important. It is such an important part of it. And I can tell you as somebody who's on campus now and and around students and, and gets to teach a class at Newhouse, that that is something that particularly right now, as as they're college lives are being turned upside down. They're, go, they're being sent home and, and they're not coming back this semester. Um, it's something that I think we have to, as faculty or as staff, address with students that this idea of, you know, life is going to change at times in ways that you don't expect and you need to take care of yourself in addition to doing what you have to do, but you have to take care of yourself too. Yeah, I um, we actually just published an essay this morning that I wrote for us, and it, it sort of talks about this a little bit and about sort of the imposter syndrome. And I feel like it's so um, that has been wrapped up in my DNA as a reporter, you know. And and when you're decentralized and you're pulled out of an office and you're reporting on the fly, you're always wondering, am I doing enough? You know, is <laughs> is the person that I don't see doing more? Do I have time for 15 minutes for a grilled cheese sandwich? And that's that's part of the the pulse of this industry. And sometimes, you know, as a reporter, I loved it. It was the adrenaline that kept me going. But, you know, Absolutely. sometimes you have to just say, like, yes, I am. I am enough. I'm doing enough. <laughs> I, I don't need to, it doesn't need to be, you know, 20 hours a day. Um, you know, it, it needs to be you can't help take care of a community if you're burned out by week two. Yeah. And, and in, a, in a world where deadlines are immediate, as opposed to, you know, the old days of newspaper where, you know, you had to hit the print deadline at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> everyone is everyone is hitting deadlines as soon as possible. That's the new deadline. And, and so that does make that even more difficult, but it also makes it more important. Yeah. And, you know, we have the, the thing that we're doing that a lot of people are doing is every day we have one big rolling story on the homepage of our website. Um, there's a different reporter that's sort of the lead all writer for it each day. And, you know, people will post a, a short um, brief and it'll be the mayor said this or here's how you can wash your money so your money stays clean. And, you know, you you email that reporter, that reporter folds it into there. And so it's yeah, it's not get me this by two. It's, you know, you tell an editor that you're doing something and they say, how fast? Can I have it? Um, it's <laughs> yeah. Newspapers are just papers, right? There's so much um, people true. need to know right now. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's amazing how much that industry has changed. You know, absent of of what's happening right now, anyway. But but certainly where we are right now, everything has changed. And and Maggie, thank you for spending a little bit of time talking about it and and bringing up some really important points about uh, just life as a journalist and and the the importance of taking care of yourself in addition to taking care of your, your readers. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Joined now by Lisette Nunez, uh, who is a reporter at WTIC-TV in Hartford, Connecticut, Fox 61. Um, Lisette, first of all, thank you for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Obviously, everyone's life has changed over the last uh, the last week. But as a journalist who goes out into the world and covers news, how has your life as a journalist changed? I mean, it's changed a lot, even how we interact with everyday people to even our photographers. So as you mentioned, I'm a reporter. So, um, you know, we try to even distance ourselves when we're out um, in the field. Um, my station just put in a new policy right now that uh, 
photographers and reporters are not allowed in the building where we are, our station is housed in. Um, that's a precaution because we're obviously always in the field and constantly interacting with people. Um, so we're trying to reduce the amount of people that um, are inside our newsroom. So wow. they are also te- they're also testing out um, producers working from home, which um, I think we've been doing for the last couple of days, and that's still it's it's strange. It's just strange. Um, that's the best way to explain it. Um, our anchors they have um, wider distance between them, and you notice it immediately as soon as you're watching as a viewer from home. You see there's like, why are they so apart? But obviously, you know, with given circumstances, um, can't think about what else. Or even obviously when you were interacting with people or politicians out on the field, your automatic, you know, reaction would be is to shake someone's hand. We can't do that anymore. And it took some adjusting, you know, at first I would apologize. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. Um, <laughs> but I think about this, about this time, I think everyone has understood understands this is our new norm and this is just what we have to live by at least for the foreseeable future yeah i mean this is this is where we are and and you're right i think people are starting to to get that uh but even in the last couple of days interactions that i've had with people where you know your first instinct is to be polite and shake a hand or something and it's just not it's not what we're doing these days in terms of of doing the news, how are you trying to find that balance between information that people need to know, staying on top of things that are literally changing by the minute, um, and, and also not scaring people and not making them uncomfortable? Right. I think it definitely is a checks and balance. And it's, um, I work for a morning show. So we have a morning email chain constantly going about new updates. Um, a new update this morning was um, President Trump announcing um, new restrictions on Canada and the U.S. and, you know, moving forward. So um, constantly just, you know, staying on top of the CDC guidelines. Um, and I think one big motto that we've been going since this has been basically all over our news cycle. Um, a station has been promoting facts, not fear. So one thing that we try to do when we open our newscast, we pull up um, – a map that I think a lot of people have probably seen that kind of tracks the amount of people who have uh, coronavirus cases confirmed worldwide, but also how many people have recovered. Um, Mm. So I feel like that kind of helps people give a glimmer of hope that, you know, it's not just doom and gloom, people are getting better. So I think that's finding that balance and also understanding um, that if you do get it, these are the symptoms that you should look out for. These are the things that you should have at home don't stock up on toilet paper maybe have some Advil or some cough syrup at home maybe that might be a little bit more proactive um just to give people you know that hope that you know this is not going to be the end of the world we will get through this um so I think that's you know how we've been trying to find that balance as well yeah balance is is so important at a time where everything feels like it's out of control and and a little bit crazy in terms of of taking care of of you yourself and taking care of your colleagues um you know somebody who's who worked in the business it it can take its toll you kind of get in that zone and you feel like i got to work 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 and you can you can forget about taking care of yourself how how much of an emphasis is being placed on that in your own mind and also in your newsroom 
Yeah, I I did struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. The first couple of days that we started realizing this is this is something big here, because um, you also need to take care of yourself, not only mentally, but also physically as a journalist, because you're going to be doing yourself a disservice by not taking care of yourself, because you're making yourself more prone to this virus at the same time. So one thing that I've been doing is I've been um, disconnecting from my phone right before bed. So I give myself like an hour, hour and a half, not on Twitter, not checking the CDC. Um, So I could, and maybe putting on like maybe a comedy special or something just so that's not on my mind right before I go to bed. Um, I've also, I've had to change my workout routine. I can't go to the gym because they're closed down here in Connecticut. Right. So I've, been running around instead around my apartment complex and beginning some fresh air. I've been downloading um, workout routines that I could do in my living room. Um, and then also obviously eating healthy. So it's just a completely different approach. And, you know, I think that's something we also try to remind our viewers, you know, we're adjusting to this norm, this new norm, just as much as you are. Um, and also just trying to stay positive in all of this. I think that's the biggest thing because I think it's so easy to get caught up all the bad but I think one thing that has also helped me and it's helped me reconnect with my family even more so I'm constantly you know talking to my parents making sure they're okay because they don't live in Connecticut um I feel like that has helped me build a stronger bond with them and those friends that I can't see every day you know it's interesting as as we're trying to keep this social distance um we and I'm hearing this a lot. We're finding ourselves getting closer to people because we're understanding how important those connections. They don't have to be face to face in person, um, but how important those connections really are. Oh, for sure. I'm definitely checking in more co- constantly with those people. You know, I actually just saw this, so I completely forgot that St. Patrick's Day was the other day because sometimes we get <laughs> caught up in the whirlwind. <laughs> and then I started seeing on social media people still celebrating St. Patrick's Day. So they were FaceTiming their friends and maybe like having a glass of wine or they were showing off the green they were wearing. So it's, you know, people have a way to still connect with each other and still kind of celebrate St. Patrick's Day. So that's something that really made me smile and seeing that people are finding a way to still connect with their loved ones and also celebrate at the same time. Yeah, thank goodness for technology, but I think uh, you said kind of the magic words, the importance of unplugging every once in a while and just, you know, giving yourself some you time and and clearing your head a little bit and exercising in fresh air and all of that as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely necessary during this time. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, for spending a few minutes with us. We really appreciate it. And and best of luck, um, you know, trying to to keep that balance and keep that positive energy. I think it's uh, it's important because you know, people are looking to you for guidance, they're looking to you for information, but I think they'll also kind of be able to mirror a reporter. And, and if a reporter doesn't have it all together, it, it reflects, uh, and I think it's it's tough for the audience to do that. Absolutely, I think you definitely hit on some important points. We need to also be um, an example for people to follow us. Also, if we're not practicing what we're preaching, then that's also not good, so. We'll, we'll get through this, and I think people um, are starting to realize that as well. My thanks again to Lisette Nunez, Maggie Gordon, Lauren Hall, and Scott McFarlane, journalists who are adjusting to covering the news during a pandemic. But, of course, we're all adjusting to this new normal. For how long? We don't know. 
But certainly, we should appreciate the work all of our journalists are doing to provide important information during this time of uncertainty. The reality is so many people are doing important work right now to support their communities. If you are or if you know of a Syracuse University alum who is on the front lines, and really that can mean so many different things right now, we want to know about it and share their story. Send us a note on Twitter at SUAlums or reach out to me directly at Sivalardi. Thanks again for listening to the Cuse Conversations podcast. Check out our archive of past episodes, give us a review, and subscribe. I'm Chris Velarde, Class of 95. I'll talk to you again soon. In the meantime, stay connected, stay safe, and stay well. 